This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And it's time for another female first, which means we are once again fortunate enough to be joined by our good friend, the wonderful, delightful, lovely Eves. Welcome, Eves. <laughs> Hi, Yay. and thanks for the welcome. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Thank like it's, you. It's getting longer, and I love it. I want to keep adding <laughs> to it. Yeah, I do think about it. I'm like, which words have I already used? I gotta mix it up. Um, it's a good exercise for me. It is, <laughs> but they're all true, so it obviously should be there. Absolutely. Absolutely all true. Um, as always, we just had a really fun slash kind of frustrating discussion before <laughs> this about some really adult things that we're dealing with adulting. <laughs> uh, but also we have had uh, some travel going on and upcoming. Um, so Eves, I know you're getting ready to to do some stuff. How are you feeling about it? I'm feeling good about it. Um, I feel excited at this point, not too stressed because sometimes before I travel to places, I get this stress of like uh, anticipated stress of being in a new place, like having to deal with different languages and navigating. And one thing I was thinking about earlier is like the pace. So moving quickly. And that is one thing I'm glad about with this trip is a little longer. So I know that I won't have to like be running from bus to bus or like be like walking around with my phone in my hand, like constantly trying to figure things out. I think I get a little right. bit of anxiety around the like constant, being in a constant state of figuring things out, which can get so stressful. Um, so I feel calm about it right now. I am going to drink some tea today. <laughs> I'm going to <laughs> like it. try to work out these kinks in my back. I was telling Samantha that I'm feeling really stiff today. So I think that like <laughs> now I'm going to focus a little bit more now that now that all the adulting things we were talking about earlier that have brought up frustration are kind of out of the way, 
I think that I'm going to be able to like focus on a little bit of physical peace before like I have to move into some more motion and jet lag and things that won't be so physically great. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so. I mean, that's, I agree with all the stuff you said. Like, uh, just thinking about long flights, my back just twinges. Yeah. <laughs> it's already mm-hmm. like, oh, no, 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 no. And I'm definitely somebody who, when I travel, I love traveling, but I do make it into like micromanage. Here's the schedule every yeah. second is accounted for. Mm-hmm. So I hope that this can be a, a more relaxing experience for you. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I was just thinking about this and I was just telling some other people that I'm in a group with about it, about how I am a planner. And Mm -hmm. when I traveled earlier this year, I didn't plan much at all. And I was like, wow, it felt like a revelation. It's like, wow, I can actually do this. I am capable of it. I was, I've told myself for so long that I know I'm going to have a terrible time if I don't have plans for everyday scheduled things, um, knowing mm-hmm. that I like paid for something in advance or got to take it for the thing in advance. And I let go a lot of that earlier this year. And now that I have a little bit more time to do so, like I have a whole week in a city where I don't have plans to do anything. Like if we want to go somewhere else, I'm down for taking a long train to get there, that kind of thing. So I am, I am excited about releasing, like surrendering to just whatever happens, happens rather than just wrestling everything like into my grasp, wrangling it <laughs> <laughs> and trying to control mm-hmm. it, like which, which is something that I tend to do a lot. Yeah. yeah. I hate doing all of the planning. Annie knows this. We've done this together. And I'm like, you do it. I don't want to think <laughs> about it. These are my requests in the story. Um, everything else, if I don't have an opinion, that means I don't have an opinion. I really don't care. Please don't make me decide. That's like my ideal vacation with one or two things that I know I definitely want to do. And the end of that is like, if anything else is asked, I'm just going to like crumble into the floor because I don't want to, I don't want. <laughs> going to melt into a pool of Samantha. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, at least you know that about yourself. Because you want vacations or traveling to be an enjoyable experience where possible. And it is, it is funny to me sometimes because I am so like, this we have to do all of this yeah. so i've had to i've had to learn i'm not as i haven't learned to let go or surrender as much as you eves but i have had to learn that not everybody wants to be like we have to go here 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 here, here. we're getting up at 2 a.m we're staying out until midnight like <laughs> so yeah it's good to know those things but i do fall heavily on the side of maximizing your time when you're on vacation like i right. i'm still not a lounger and i don't know if i'll ever be mm-hmm. a lounger like i like to make use of my time. Not saying that I want rest, but I came here to do. Like I can, I'm mm-hmm. cool with the being, but like I can do that at home. I can be at home. <laughs> it's a delicate balance. Um, it is. I can't wait to for you to report back in the next yeah. email first. We'll yeah. have to see if how it worked out. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm hoping that, you know, I get some inspiration for who who the next person will be, maybe. Yes. That's exciting. Yes, that is exciting. I do love that about traveling. Well, we will check back in on that. But before we do that, who did you bring for us to discuss today, Eves? So today we're going to be talking about Laudalina Jucampus Mello. So she founded the first union for domestic workers in Brazil. And her story is super interesting. A lot of the resources on her are in Portuguese. So if you would like to do 
more research on her, it'll definitely be helpful for you to know some Portuguese, which I don't, which you're probably going to be able to tell by my pronunciations, but I'm going to do my best. <laughs> so we'll get into the history of domestic workers a little bit. In addition to Laudalina's history herself, a little bit of the history of enslaved people in Brazil and history of labor in Brazil as well in today's episode. Yes, and I'm really excited to talk about this one because it was hard to find uh, resources yeah. for me, like in my very yeah. you know basic, so I know kind of what you're talking about before we go in. Um, but also, we have talked about um, domestic work mm-hmm. and women unionizing around domestic work on the show before and how important it is. And so I'm eager to learn more about all of that. Yeah, that's a difficulty that we butt up against a lot with these histories. But I'm glad that, you know, it's like it's still worthy talking about people, even if you don't necessarily you can't dig in as deeply if you don't speak the native language of the person that you're talking about. But I I really want to make sure that I continue focusing on, on those people, even if they're not as easily accessible, because oftentimes that means that generally people who are just digging into some research or Googling and things like that, it's a little bit harder for them to do the research and the work themselves. So I think it's nice to have an easy jumping off point for learning more about Loud and Lena. Yes, agreed. That is certainly something we've run up against too, is we want to showcase people uh, that might be harder in our kind of westernized Google searches mm-hmm. to get their information. Um, and it can be hard, but that doesn't mean they're not worthy of doing the extra digging yeah. um, or being that jumping off point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also that the fact of the matter is that the, there are the research that we're doing, you know, these are people who know a lot about Loud and Lena and have written about her themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, they are the ones who provide access to these materials. So just, you know, acknowledging the fact that there are people who are multilingual and are writing about Laudalina and that some of these people can be resources as well. Yes. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. So shall we get to the history? Mm-hmm. Yep. So Loudon Lena was born in October of 1904. She was born in Posus Jucaldas in Minas Gerais, which is a state in Southeast Brazil. Her mother was a domestic worker, so there was already a history of domestic work in her family, which is not unusual because a lot of women were domestic workers. And her father was a lumberjack. Her dad died when she was around 12 years old. And then her mom had to work in a hotel, and Laudalina had to bear a lot of the responsibility of taking care of her family. She had to care for her younger siblings. But in her younger years, she was already interested in activism when she was a teenager, and she became president of an organization that promoted activities for Black people. And she also worked as a domestic worker in the home of Julia Kubischek whose son would later become president of Brazil. And then she moved to Sao Paulo with that family. She was involved in Black organizations. Um, she is referred to in a lot of the sources that I've seen as a militant. but And she was um, involved in these organizations in the state of Sao Paulo from around the time of 1920. You'll see that she was affiliated with the Communist Party, And she did get married in 1924. She married a man named Enrique Jeremias, a stonemason from Rio de Janeiro. And the two of them started to build a family. They moved to Sao Paulo in 1932. They had two children, although one died not long after she was born. And they moved to Santos. And they stayed together for a minute, but she and her, her husband did later separate around 1938. So now that I've already mentioned that her mother was a domestic worker as well, and she was also in domestic work. And so for a little bit of the background of domestic work in Brazil, it's obviously very complex. Um, like you said, Annie, we've talked about domestic work before in the history of it. It was something that wasn't limited to Brazil. It was active, like domestic people who were advocating for domestic workers. That was something that was happening around the world around the same period as well. And there were people who were doing organizing work in the U.S. and Uruguay and elsewhere in addition to Brazil. But domestic work in Brazil, as it is in so many places, is linked to issues of gender, race, and class. And in Brazil, it's also linked to the history of colonialism and slavery. So if y'all didn't know, the Portuguese colonized Brazil and the labor of enslaved indigenous people and Africans built up the economy of Brazil over the course of 300 years. So just for everybody listening to like keep that in their mind, that is a, a longer conversation than we have time to have today. But the population in Brazil, uh, during the time of enslavement, they had a lot of enslaved people there. Um, they contributed hugely to the economy. 
And as was the case with domestic workers and in so many other things, also to the social systems within Brazil and all of the things that were built up around it. So, of course, domestic work carried out by enslaved people played a huge role in shaping colonial Brazil. Um, Most of that domestic work was done by Black women. And domestic work was kind of perceived as the typical or the natural sphere for Black women. So it wasn't seen as work. It was more of a thing just like, this is their place. You know, they're inferior. This is a thing that they were meant to do. And this is not considered professional work in any sort of official way. So scholars did note that this continuation of racism and discrimination after the colonial era, and they pointed to this idea of women moving from being enslaved servants to domestic workers. So there is, in the scholarship that I've seen, like this idea of a line from the time of enslavement to the work that women were doing as domestic workers, even after the time of abolition. So many of these families in the country had full-time live-in domestic workers. This was just a part of the system. This is how it was. And these domestic workers got room and board in exchange for their services and things like clothing as well. And this work gave many women away after the abolition of slavery in Brazil. So this was a thing, a, a field that a lot of women were able to go into after, you know, the time of enslavement. And so as a result of all of these complexities and so many more, domestic work has been devalued in history and the people who perform it have been inadequately compensated or inadequately supported legally as well. So domestic work wasn't treated as quote unquote real work and domestic workers were actively and intentionally excluded from labor laws um, and they didn't have access to the basic labor rights like paid annual leave and minimum wage. So even before Laudalina was in the picture, so she is viewed and considered uh, and is a pioneer of the domestic workers movement in Brazil. But even before she was in the picture and before abolition, there were domestic workers who did demand compensation for their work and were already actively advocating, even if it was in an individual way, for their own rights, for them to have better living and working conditions. Which, and obviously with domestic work, those things are so tied together because they were living um, so, so often. So efforts began ramping up for workers' rights in Brazil in the 1920s. And Black women organized the Brazilian Black Front. So that was founded in Sao Paulo in 1931. And it was an organization of Black people who advocated for the rights of Black people in the country. It was also a political party. And this organization and its ideas spread around Brazil. It had newspapers, it had a school and other things that were organized around it, like a militia. And people in the organization advocated for the status of domestic workers. So you'll see um, domestic work and the Brazilian Black Front and the things that they cared about kind of merging together. And this is where Laudalina's first comes in. So in 1936, that's when she founded the first union for domestic workers in Brazil. And that was in Santos. And it was called the Professional Association of Domestic Workers. 
So in the paper by the sociology professor Joazi Bernagino Costa, he said that in an interview with Elisabetta Aparecida Pintu, that she said that Laudalina founded the Santos Association to win the right to unionize domestic workers. The association organized a campaign that worked for domestic workers to live in their own homes. Um, they also stood by the principle that domestic workers were professionals. They weren't just part of the families of the people who employed them. And Laudalina seemed to be particularly concerned with older workers who were getting too old or too sick to work with no access to Social Security or pensions. But at this point, trade unions still acted as private associations and they couldn't negotiate or get union dues. So this was around the same time that Getulio Vargas, who was president of Brazil at the time, took dictatorial power in 1937 and he dissolved all political parties. That led to the dissolution of the Domestic Workers Professional Association, as well as the Brazilian Black Front and other associations. So that was the context of what was happening that was very turbulent in political times at the time. But in 1946, after Vargas was ousted, the association was reestablished with Laudalina as its president. So she lived in Campinas, and she was involved in activism there from the 1950s and onward. She was also active in the Black movement and involved in Black experimental theater, which was a group that organized activities for Black youth. And she organized other cultural events as well. So she continued to be active in organizing for domestic workers' labor rights. In 1961, she founded the Campinas Union, which was called the Charitable Professional Association of Domestic Workers. And it supported things like literacy training and activities that could create communion and solidarity among domestic workers. And she also, to uplift the movement associated with the progressive portion of the Catholic Church to help improve conditions for domestic workers. So this is that's a um, the background of the context that Laudalina was working in and how there was this overarching movement. So she wasn't the only one who was working. Um, for domestic workers' issues in the country. There were, especially over time, as the ideas spread and as more people became aware of the work that her associations were doing, but also other associations who were fighting for labor laws, it picked up steam. So in 1972, a domestic labor law was enacted. That meant that domestic workers were able to have their workers' cards signed by employers they got 20 days paid annual leave, and they were integrated into the Social Security scheme. And it took time, as it always does when we talk about these things, that it's not just a single moment that culminates in something large happening or some rights being won for the group that's fighting for them, but it's something that happens over time. Obviously, as we talked about earlier, like this is... 
um, a movement that started even before abolition, but that is continuing up into this moment. So all the work that Laudalina was doing was not isolated and also just thinking about all the other communities around the world who are fighting for similar things. But over time, they did begin to gain more rights. So in 1988, the Association of Domestic Workers that was in Campinas became the Union of Domestic Workers. And it was because it was only at this point when domestic workers' trade unions were legally recognized as such um, when the Constitution of Brazil was ratified. So the Constitution did protect basic rights of domestic workers under the law, but it only granted them some of those basic rights that other workers already had. So it was one of those things where it's like, we'll give you an inch, but not a mile. (laughs) So they got minimum wage and wages couldn't be reduced unless through agreement, paternity leave, maternity leave without bearing unemployment or salary, an annual bonus equal to one month's salary, and paid annual leave that was at least one third higher than a normal salary. So those were some of the things that they gained under the Constitution. But of course, that had limitations, like the right to collective bargaining, which is obviously super important in them being able to win some of the demands that they were putting upon people. And there were also no right to limited hours of work, which was a thing for for domestic workers because they worked all the time and they lived with the people who they were working for. But... Laudalina's contributions um, and the work that she did and the organizing she did with her associations did contribute to some of those wins. She died in May of 1991, and she allowed her legacy to live on, actively took part in that by donating her home um, to the domestic workers movement, and it's still used as a union site. And even today, though, domestic work is still a significant portion of what women workers in the country do. So the overwhelming majority of domestic workers in the country are women. Most of them are Black. Um, They're poorly paid, oftentimes with little employment security, and many don't have access to labor rights because there's still some informality in some of the contracts that the domestic workers have. But they have since gained more recognition and more labor rights as professionals, even from that 1988 constitution that we were talking about earlier. They've gained the right for collective bargaining, things like paid legal holidays, the prohibition of domestic work for workers under 18, unemployment insurance, overtime pay, and limits on work hours, which is super important, and then protections in the case of dismissal without cause. So the amendments to the Constitution have basically granted them all the same basic rights that other workers had. And that is obviously part of what Laudalina herself was fighting for. But just be mindful that these are things that are continuing beyond the time of her death, which was 1991. A lot of these things were happening in the early 2000s. And into 2018, (laughs) when some of these things were passed, and into today. So it's not something that has just ended and that, you know, Laudalina did her work. And when she was done, um, everything was great and fine and dandy. So, but, but her contributions did help a lot. And the progress that was achieved 
and gaining domestic workers the labor rights that they do have today. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag-A-Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag-A-Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Like we said, and like you said, this is, domestic work is such a, often such an undervalued thing. And it's so much hard work and it's so important. And it does fall along these gender lines and race lines and class lines um, and just a fight to get like equal rights for this job that has, I, it's, I am sad that people have to fight so hard and continue to fight so hard. Um, but it is inspiring to see people in that fight that are like, no, this is important and we need to be recognized and we're not going to go away. So it's just a hugely important and ongoing conversation, yes. I think it's fascinating because obviously she was building a foundation for a lot of unions when it comes for uh, unions for domestic workers because we see that translated in different countries in the United States. We know that's uh, even more recent uh, with some of the big names that have popped up to bring back the issue because it's oftentimes so pushed down um, in different policies, whether it's politically, like just disbanding organizations by doing a whole 
overarching thing or trying to discredit them within. We know that union busters happen for a reason and who profits off of that. But the fact that she started this organization, started the fight so long ago, and it's still holding tight to the point that she donated her home for a base. That's pretty phenomenal. That's a whole conversation in itself as, as what she stood for and how long her legacy stands still today. And I think that's an amazing testament. Unfortunately, that it's still fighting is is awful. Like, <laughs> there's so many things that you like, you have to look at the positive, but this negative too is like, wow, that must wear on people in trying to have this conversation. Um, Working as a nanny in general, like that, showing, knowing that kind of in that field, how people use that position against you as if you're not a professional and understanding to stand up for yourself in general feels like a feat. Being a woman, being in a caretaking position, uh, there's so many levels to trying to stand up for yourself and to fight for your own rights and just get paid what you're worth and being given the time to allow your own life and being able to actually (laughs) maintain physically, emotionally, uh, mentally in a field like that is so difficult uh, to set any boundaries. So for her to be able to come out with like, I'm going to not only going to do this for myself, but other people need to be able to do it for themselves as well. Yeah, that's a really good point, Samantha, like the boundaries, because literally the boundary of space and home does not exist when you live in with somebody. Um, and it is a it's a physical job, you know. It is a very physical job, and that's something important to remember that they're literally putting their bodies on the line. So when it is they're very actively fighting for bodily autonomy and rights related to the body when they're putting these demands forth. And also the other thing about it was that of course there's this entrenched history that is a strong undercurrent under the views of domestic work, how why people didn't view it or they or wasn't legally counted as a professional category, but also why general sentiment was a lot of the times that this is what they deserve. This is they deserve, you know, come from a time when they weren't compensated and that was about right for people. That's what they considered to be par for the course and what they desire. And you'll see things like people sending Laudalina letters about how I don't think what you're saying is, it doesn't make any sense. Like this does it, you don't deserve these rights. But that that was also something that they were actively up against in law, laws that specifically said that in plain and clear language that domestic workers should not and will not and do not have the right to collectively bargain and things like that. So that, not to mention all of these political ups and downs and dictatorships and difficulties that they had to fight against that were larger, even if they weren't pointed toward them, that made it more difficult for them to get gains, like actually being able to unionize and collectively bargain. So it's also nice to see that persistence over time. And even if we don't have a completely full picture of Laudalina's life and everything that she was doing every single day of her life, that she always came back to her work for domestic workers, but also was able to translate all of the things that she cared about into other movements and this conjoining of different movements that worked out for the benefit of domestic workers 
And she seemed to be the, the kind of person, too, who cared about literacy. She cared about education. And she cared about the elderly and, like, what it meant for people to age within domestic work. And, yeah, so many of those things. So, yeah, I'm definitely grateful for her and her story. Yeah, as you were talking about how she did so many things within the community, all the things, I'm like, this is such an intersectional level of advocacy that Mm -hmm. she was already doing. And I think that's kind of that level of just knowing that she truly cared about others in the community. Again, maybe this is just me projecting, but that's what it seems as she continued to open up more projects to, I'm like, you did a what? You did a theater just on top of your advocacy for unions and like what for domestic work that's a whole different level but that it seems like such a layered comment about who she was as an individual and knowing that what she wanted to do was better people's livelihoods uh, beyond just her own workplace uh, community type of things like it needs to be an overall bigger thing and there needs to be a massive change here's how I'm going to do it individually (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. and I think I mean this is a bigger conversation but we see this all the time of these jobs that are essential to holding our community together that have been primarily dominated by women and caretaking jobs in specific. And it's like weaponized against women. Like, but you care, right? So you don't, yeah. we don't need to pay you because you're getting reward from like caring for people. And this whole idea of if you do care about something, it is hard to not do it, especially if like people's well-being and livelihood is on the line. And for her to be like, we, but we're people too, and we need to be compensated and recognized for the work we're doing. Um, like, of course we care, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't get paid. Yeah, it's so frustrating to me. <laughs> it's oftentimes weaponized, and we see it again today, again, for domestic workers, but also teachers, mm-hmm. social workers. You're doing, like, I was told during, I, I'm so selfish when I'm coming back to mind, but I'm like, <laughs> this is what happened. I was in my industry as a social worker asking if we're going to get a 5% raise for our $35,000 a year uh, salary for working 60 hours a week. And he was like, your your raise, what you should be focused on is helping the kids. That's what you're doing. And if you're focusing on money, then you you should leave. And wow. we were all like, wow. <laughs> wow. And that was our main leader. But that's the common thing that happens oftentimes when we start questioning our value and say, wait, we're worth more. Then people who are making the money aren't aren't doing this job start weaponizing your uh, compassion and empathy. And you're like, why are you wanting money? Don't you just mm-hmm. feel, feel fulfilled? And you're like, mm, well, we need to eat. Yeah. <laughs> need to power yeah. in my place. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. But I do, I do love how so many times in these episodes uh, we do with you, Eves, where it ends with this kind of lasting legacy. It ends with, I've done this work and I want it to continue. Like thinking of the next generation Mm-hmm. I just think that is a beautiful thing to see. So, yes, as always, thanks for bringing this story. Uh, yes. <laughs> Happy to bring it. Yes, um, and we can't wait till next time. I hope your trip goes yeah. swimmingly. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, well, where can the good listeners find you? Y'all can find me on Instagram at not apologizing. On Twitter, at Eve's Jeff Coat, and many other episodes of Stuff Mom Never Told You, talking about female firsts in history, and or evesjeffcoat.com. And yeah, that's 
That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and definitely go check out all of those things if you somehow haven't already, listeners. Thank you again, Eves, for coming on. If you would like to contact us, you can. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.